Tales from Mortimer Poe. Mortimer Poe, the half-dead raven, is a distant cousin to Hugin and Munin, the ravens that bring tales of the world to Odin. But Mortimer, born outside the window of Edgar Allan Poe, only brings tales of worlds that aren't real to the ears of those who want to explore alternate realms of possibility. Today, Mortimer brings you the tale of Angels and Vampires. I never realized there were so many damn churches in Rome, Mordecai said as he and Claudia veered around a group of tourists. Claudia shrugged. That's not the way I left it. Mordecai laughed, his frivolity drawing a glance from the more solemn gatherers outside the church. They sought solace from God here, but Mordecai knew there was none to be had. God wasn't handing out peace anymore, if he ever had. At least Mordecai managed to get away from his dependence on that deity. Eternity stretched before him, a simpler place, now that he had escaped God. Not that eternity didn't have its own challenges. The tour group milling outside the entrance filed through the large, ornate doors. Mordecai had forgotten which church this was. He wasn't here to sightsee. Claudia dragged him to this touristy spot, claiming it was the best place to teach him how to hunt. He watched the group sorting themselves as they all pushed through the doors. Inside him broiled an intense desire, as if the hunger for food and for sex had merged into a living thing and saturated him. He wanted to rush over and tear at their throats, or their thighs, which was Claudia's favorite artery. Only an inhuman patience held him back. That one. Claudia whispered into his ear, her head dipping coyly to the side. Looking over, Mordecai's new predator's instinct latched on to the girl immediately. She didn't look any different than the six or so other girls in the group. Same tour group t-shirt, same glossy hair falling straight over her shoulders, a camera hanging from her wrist. But deep down, some part of him knew she was the weak animal of the herd. Could it be the way she smiled at total strangers? Or the short lag before she followed her tour mates, which promised she would soon drop off the edge of that protective grouping? Mordecai moved his eyes away so no one would see him staring at her. He nodded his head, just a little, so Claudia would know he had seen the one she meant. He shifted Claudia to his side and put an arm around her waist. They followed the last of the tourists into the church, slipping through the doors as the ladies moved ahead to huddle around their guide. How do I get her away from her friends? Mordecai whispered. He was sure people saw it as a lover's whisper, never knowing death lay in the unheard words. Claudia patted his shoulder. You don't, my dear. She'll come to you. Lead her over to the confessionals. The tour isn't moving anyway. But how will she... Claudia pushed him away producing her own camera from the front pocket of her tight jeans. She winked at him as she snapped photos of church architecture he knew she had no intention of ever looking at again. With a wink, she snapped one of him before pointing the lens towards the painting of an angel. Mordecai slid between the rows of pews, while the majority of the tour group stayed in the center taking photos. A few like himself looked for more exotic scenery. He noticed, with wonder, that his chosen prey detached herself from the safety of the group, 
She held up her camera, but no telltale finger flex showed her to be taking pictures. He faded back a few more steps. Casually, painfully casually, the girl pointed and non-clicked her way within a few feet of him. Mordecai leaned back against the side of a confessional. The girl sidestepped until she fell over his feet, jutting just a little ways out in front of him as he leaned. Oh, excuse me, she said in her thick American accent. Me and my clumsiness, are you okay? My feet will survive, he told her. I'm Ashley, she said, holding out a hand for him to shake. Mordecai, he said, taking her hand into his. But instead of shaking it, he converted the gesture into a lingering kiss on the top. Ashley blushed. So where are you? Mordecai raised a finger to her lips to hush her. He opened his hand and swept it outward, taking in the grandeur of the church. No mundane talk here, in this place, he said. Look around. Take it in. Ashley clasped her hands together and glanced towards the ceiling. A bare few seconds later, and her eyes flicked back toward him. He allowed his eyes to linger on hers for a moment, then pulled them away to look at the door. Without acknowledging her, Mordecai pushed off of the confessional and sauntered outside. He rounded to the side of the church where a thin alley separated it from the next building. His instinct slowed his steps, so he didn't vanish before his prey could follow. He found a spot behind a buttress to shelter him from the street. Mordecai's new, hypertuned senses heard the soft pats of her shoes on the stone as she exited the church. He could smell her aroma as the breeze blew past her. Mordecai let it ferment in his nose before it overwhelmed his olfactory senses and vanished. She drifted into his sight. Board of the church, he whispered. Seems like Rome doesn't have anything but churches, she breathed. I want to see something alive instead of old dead piles of stone. Mordecai held out his hand to her. She placed one hand in his, and he pulled her close, his other arm circling her waist. She tilted her face up, her eyelids already half-closed as he pressed her body to his. Mordecai rubbed his cheek along hers. She moved her face toward him, clearly expecting a kiss, but Mordecai moved his lips down to nuzzle her neck. His arm tightened a microsecond before tiny, needle-like appendages extended from behind his canine teeth. She didn't even stiffen as they pierced her skin. He pressed them down further to widen the holes they made, slipping past the layers of fat and muscle to find the delicate artery hiding underneath. One final press, his lips to her neck, his chest to her collarbone, and the needles receded. Her pounding pulse pushed the blood into his mouth. Mordecai expected a sweet, copper taste, but her blood was salt instead. So much flowed he had to remember to swallow before it escaped. His throat closed in rhythm with her heartbeat, fast at first, then slowing, her breath on his ear mirroring her pulse. His saliva poured into his mouth with her blood as the salty taste reached deep into his hindbrain. 
He felt like he spent an eternity wrapped around her. Yet he realized it had come to an end, when her blood and breath didn't come with the next beat. He lowered her to the stone before separating from her. I am so sorry, he whispered into her hair. Mordecai looked up to see a woman standing in front of him. Something deep inside him, from the same place that had known how to lure the girl, knew this was not a real woman. She didn't touch his senses at all. Without seeing her, he wouldn't have detected her. Are you sorry? she asked. Truly repentant? The odd phrasing triggered his memory. He'd seen her face in one of the church's paintings. An angel, the kind in flowing robes with big hair and feathery wings. His newly changed body shivered. God never cared to communicate with him before, and now that he turned away from him, an angel stood on the street. One of God's messengers. The shivers converted to anger. How dare he send an angel now, when it no longer mattered? What are you doing here? Mordecai asked her. She smirked. Messengering? Mordecai stood up to face her. Repent? I've heard the message before. If that's all... No, no, she said. I don't know what the message is. I'm just here to deliver one. Mordecai took a small step back. You know that makes no sense. The angel shrugged. Well, you've wasted your time, messenger. I have nothing more to say to him, and no interest in what he has to say to me. I thought this, he waved his hand over himself, made that clear. The angel smiled. Did you really believe God could be shut out so easily? You transformed your body. It never occurred to you God might have use for that? Mordecai looked down at the body. Ashley, lying near his feet. You can't tell me this is part of his plan. Mordecai gestured down at the dead girl. Her still youth made a mockery of the frozen youth of his own face. She was frozen by death, he by his refusal of it. She never had a choice. Mordecai made it for her. This is not God's work. The angel gestured upwards. Perhaps God works on more levels than you can see. Well, I wanted him to leave me alone, Mordecai said. What use do I have for God? The one who permits this? The one who destroys without purpose? The angel laughed. You sound like the Lightbringer. The Lightbringer? You mean... Come on. You know who I mean. Mordecai pointed a finger at her. That's a Christian name for him. Well, this is a Christian church, she said. Seems fitting. I'm not evil, Mordecai insisted. I just don't want to be used. The angel made a soothing motion. I meant it as a compliment. The Lightbringer was the greatest of us once. I believe he still is. Mordecai stepped to the side, sparing only a short glance at Ashley's body. How can you say that? 
El chose him to bring good to the world, she said. Seems to me you don't choose your worst man for a task that important. El chose him to bring evil to the world, not good. Think about it, Mordecai. I'm sure it will come to you. He heard light steps on the stones behind him. Claudia's familiar scent wafted over his shoulder. She patted his back. Come on, Mordecai. Let's get rid of this body and go back to the hotel. Mordecai looked over his shoulder at Claudia. He turned his head back to the angel, but she was gone. Did you see? See what? Claudia asked, looking around the alley. No one saw you, did they? Mordecai shook his head. The alley was as deserted as it had been when the girl followed him there. No? No one saw. Good. Now let's take care of this. Claudia hoisted the dead girl's body off the ground. It'd be better if we got rid of this stupid tour group shirt, she muttered. Someone might notice it before we have a chance to dump her. She started to lift the shirt, but there was nothing under it but bare skin. Damn. Well, we'll just have to make it work. She thrust the body at Mordecai, who caught it, stunned. His arms jerked with a visceral reaction. Stop it, he admonished himself. Killing her was more of a defilement than touching her dead flesh. Not that he needed to be concerned about his purity before God anymore. Still, his skin recoiled. He forced himself to cradle the dead girl against his body. Claudia pulled a bottle of whiskey out of her large purse and poured a large amount into the dead girl's mouth, slopping it down the front of her bright T-shirt. Water, Claudia said. Preferably a river, but any water will do. Mordecai picked her up, laying the head over his shoulder with the chest against his. It took effort now to think of her as Ashley, to remember her alive as he held her inert flesh in his arms. Claudia didn't seem to notice the dissonance. He supposed he'd forget himself before too long. He hoped he would forget. Claudia went ahead to the end of the alley. He saw her shake her head. She came back. Too many people. Same with the street. He held the girl's neck like he was comforting her. What now? Claudia smiled. She tilted her head towards the next buttress. He walked over to it. Claudia, following, pointed at the ground. Mordecai tilted his head and saw a sewer grate. We're just going to dump her in there? Claudia huffed and pulled up the grate. Then she squatted down and vanished inside the hole. Come on, hurry up! Mordecai took one last glance around and dropped the body down to Claudia. A tiny jump, and he followed them into the dark. He landed in a shallow trickle of filthy water over stone next to the dead girl. I wouldn't try this anywhere but Rome, Claudia said. But I know these sewers, at least well enough to get us close to the river. We won't get trapped down here. Why not just... He waved a hand at the dead girl. He couldn't finish the sentence. He never dreamed this would be so hard. He could practically hear Claudia roll her eyes, even though he couldn't see her clearly in the dim light. She won't wash downstream from here, 
Eventually she'll start to stink and someone will notice. Better if she goes in the river. It'll take longer before they find her, and it'll wash away any traces of us. Claudia didn't wait for him. She just splashed off down the dark tunnel. Mordecai picked up the body and followed. He couldn't see where Claudia had gone, but she made so much noise he knew which way to go. His feet found a relatively level path under the muck, and he caught up. Claudia turned a couple more times. Each passage they followed grew blacker. When the overhead grates disappeared, Claudia grabbed his hand to lead him. Her other hand slapped the walls of the tunnel in a steady, metronomic rhythm. He felt her lurch when her slapping missed its beat. Here, she told him. We turn right. This one will take us all the way to the river. He followed her around a wide, curved wall to a new passage. The light shining in the distance blinded him after the utter darkness they'd come from. He blinked rapidly, and the darkness returned. How had such a small light been so bright? It barely reached this far, not even enough to show him the seam where the wall and the water met. They hurried toward it. The tunnel ended over a drop into a large pool of water in a huge cavern. The water moved and churned below. Claudia laid a hand on the grate covering the edge. This one has a latch instead of a lock. At least it did the last time I came here. If you throw her down there, she will eventually make her way into the river, well away from where you found her. Claudia's hand traced the edge of the grating. She stopped at the top center and hit it with the heel of her hand, hard. The grate swung down and hit the concrete below, held to the edge with a big hinge. Mordecai lifted the body. Ashley, he reminded himself, in a parody of a bride's entry into her new home. But this wasn't her home. It wasn't even the end of her journey. He fought the urge to pray for her as he tossed her into the dark water. It seemed grotesque. His prayers would mean nothing now anyway. Claudia heaved the grate back up and it snapped close. That's done. Let's get out of here. She led him back down to the darkened tunnel. She slapped the walls again, this time going a different direction than they had come. They turned a few times following Claudia's version of echolocation. When they turned the last time, Mordecai saw the new tunnel lifted up and out of the water altogether. Before him, about 200 feet away, more light, but this time electric lamps strapped to the walls. They put lights down here? In a sewer? We're not in the sewer anymore, Claudia said. This tunnel will come up under some church. I forget the name. But it's still early enough we can blend in with the tourists. Mordecai frowned. Still, the church put lights in a sewer. Well, they wouldn't need lights if it didn't get so dark. Come on, I want a shower and clean towels before we go out to the club. The Hyatt calls. Wouldn't need lights. Mordecai thought he heard the echo of a laugh. That's what the angel meant. Yin and Yang. Without the evil Lightbringer brought to the world, good means nothing, the angel finished for him. Mordecai whipped around a little too quickly and almost lost his balance. Claudia's fingers flashed out to steady him. 
Lightbringer gave your lives meaning, the angel whispered beside him. Free will, the power to be more than just El's puppet, as I am. El gave him a job to do, and in all this time, Lightbringer has never wavered from it. Makes me think he's still the greatest of us. Why else would El choose him? Maybe Lightbringer doesn't have a choice, like you, Mordecai whispered back. Claudia shushed him as they came to a set of wooden stairs. She took them slowly, one at a time, as if she was afraid they wouldn't take her weight. Given the look of them, Mordecai wondered if they'd been here since the church was built. He listened to the wood groan under her as she made her way up. Aren't you just determined to think nothing but the worst, the angel continued. Can't be persuaded, can you? Mordecai started up the steps himself. Despite Claudia's caution, they felt stronger than they looked. All wooden steps had a little give to them, and these gave without sagging. The angel followed him. So like the Lightbringer. I expect we'll see great work from you, too. I am not doing God's work. Mordecai's voice echoed down the passageway. Claudia patted his arm as he got to the top. You okay? Did you see her? Mordecai stopped, looking back down the stairs again. But the angel was gone. See who, Claudia said. There isn't anyone around. We have to hurry to catch this last tour group before they leave. And don't linger. We've been in Rome longer than five minutes. You've seen a church before. And so he had, though never an angel. He found the angel more disturbing than anything his new life as a vampire had thus far thrown at him, including the killing. Lot hadn't been able to tell the angels from regular men when they came to his door. So why was God sending him such an obvious messenger? Mordecai got the disturbing feeling that although he had made his transformation to signal he was through with God, all he'd done was get his attention. Mortimer's Tale, Angels and Vampires, was written by Erica Kaler. Mortimer's narrator for this tale was Erica Kaler. Sound effects were sourced from freesoundslibrary.com.